and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today I'm going to be talking about working with the lunar cycle for gardening. And I'm talking about Imbolc. And in honor of the upcoming new moon, I will be profiling a truly bad bitch, Artemis. I fucking love Artemis. She is really like, she is a goddess for the modern woman. I, yes. And oh, did you read my notes? I have. Yeah, I am. I have. And I also like, I also just like love Artemis. So she's one of those goddesses that I've like done some digging into because she really is like, she's such a fucking like feminist icon. <laughs> yes. And, and we will get into that here in a minute. Uh, but what, uh, one fun thing that I think I will share with our listeners today is that every time I think of Artemis, I see in my head the actress Artemis Pibandi from It's Always Sunday in Philadelphia, who uh-huh. plays Frank's girlfriend Artemis. I think she just is playing herself. Yeah. Um, and I, that was not a thing when I was reading mythology in school. But since I have watched It's Always Sunny in the meantime like and also her really underrated series miss artemis pet regressor yeah um, oh my god an icon which you cannot find online these days because i looked really? it up. yeah 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 i looked it up uh when i was trying to find well i wasn't trying to find information about the goddess artemis but i was trying to find like um that video yeah because it made me think of it so much i was like is that still a thing like anywho she's great um and so anytime i talk about artemis i think of her uh the the artemis for the 21st century but we're talking about imbolc um which i love imbolc honestly it's like i think it might be my second favorite like sabbat time right 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 and i was actually talking to my friend on the phone on the way over here to record and i was talking about how all of the celtic uh, like wheel of the year holidays are between the solstices and the equinoxes. Yeah. Um, like all the ones, you know, Beltane, Sam, Samhain, and Imolk, and oh my God, uh, Lunasad and Lunasa. Lunasa. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to say, I am always reading these things. Yeah, no, I get it. And so when I was doing my research for this, I literally looked up a YouTube video that was uh, pronunciations. Oh God, those are so great sometimes, but once in a while they do weird shit. And we not we like definitely don't have to keep this in. I was just no, no, no. I I'm saying keep it in because I think a lot of other witches and people who are just interested in this kind of stuff are reading about it. And yeah, like what you hear in your head, especially with Celtic, it's tricky because you know it's not like other ancient languages you know where you can often see like the different alphabets and stuff i feel like you always see like celtic written with you know very like standard the what the roman letters mm-hmm. and so it's like you try to read english into it and it yes, does exactly. not work it does not work because wow it is a strikingly different language <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if you even saw in my notes, I like put a grammatical thing because that was the one I heard the most on YouTube for that one. Yeah. Lun- Lunasa. 
Yeah, Luna. Uh, yeah, Lunasa is the one that I've always heard, and it's it is one where for a long time I was also just like, man, I don't ever want to try and say this. And I've just listened to a bunch of different witch podcasts, and that's how I've heard most people say it. Which I think for me, I'm like, then that I'm gonna go with that one anyway. I'm like, just like people in the West trying to figure out how to fucking say stuff that's not English is sometimes it's like, it's like I don't speak fun. Celtic, I don't speak Latin. A disclaimer. Yeah. And right? when I read about these things, my my English speaking brain says, this is how you should say that. And I'm like, I'm not sure. And then I go on YouTube and then they tell me and then I'm like, OK, I feel a little more confident about that. And then Shannon just, you know, knocks me down a notch. Uh, well, you. and I, I like that <laughs> Ben was sending in the names and another one that always gets me is like Saoirse Ronan. Oh, my God. Did you did you see when she did? Um, It's like that Liza Minnelli song, like where Liza Minnelli explains how to pronounce her name, but they did yep. Saoirse on SNL, like Saoirse Ronan. Yep, I did. It's She's truly delightful. She um, is. We also, like, Eric has a good childhood friend named Siobhan. Oh, and I was so, gonna bring up Siobhan uh, just as yeah. a name, because it's like, I don't speak Celtic, and if I had never seen the name Siobhan and been told how to pronounce it, Siobhan, Siobhan. Yeah, Siobhan, Siobhan. And it's like they love to put an H right yeah. after a consonant, and you're like, what? Yeah, there's what a lot of that? like extra letters thrown in there for, mm -hmm. you know, versus English. I mean, and of course, it's like, it's funny because I know English is also such a tricky fucking language. Oh, I guess that's fair. Celtic is not a language. It's Gaelic. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Gaelic is the Gaelic is the language. Celtic is the culture. Because there's there are the Celtic languages, which is like a big group of them. So mm -hmm. like Gaelic is in there. But there's, there's it's like also when you say like, that Russian is a Slavic language, but so is Estonian and Latvian. And yeah, because like I think. I've got to look this up because I know that Gaelic falls under there, but I think like Welsh does too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Welsh. Yeah, it's oh, Scots and it's um Irish. Well, no, I mean like the language Welsh though, like the Welsh language, and oh, then sure, yeah, sure, sure. and then there's like the Irish, which is what like Caserta talks about speaking Irish, and then I think the Gaelic that people refer to now is like Scottish Gaelic. And I don't remember, there's there's another one in there, but I know definitely at least those three are considered Celtic languages. Uh, but, you know, I will say, unlike Latin, those languages are still very much alive. Well, they are, and they're working on keeping them alive, because for a long time, I know, I mean, there was a big concern about, like, Irish going away, because, right, you know, right, right. England did what England does and <laughs> took over, and, you know, we come from that, like, history as Americans, and... Man, we just love to like get rid of like people's native languages. Like all of the issues here in Southern California with like the Tongva, um, it's interesting people like talking about native languages too. I mean, that's a whole interesting subject to get into because like the destruction of language is such a like powerful, horrible tool of colonialism, <laughs> which wow, this is a very um big this is, like this veer is such away. A, this is such <sighs> a huge sidetrack, but I think it's important. 
Yeah, yeah, because language is hard and all of that to say we're doing our best. And, uh, you know, if any of y'all out there are native speakers of any of the stuff that we're butchering, please correct us. I would love please. to know yes. how to say it correctly, because all I'm basing Lunasa on is like listening to a bunch of other like white American witches talking about it. So I could also be very wrong. Uh, but anyway, you know, I, I, I will say, but, you know, you were like, oh, we could cut that. And it's like, no, 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 don't cut that. Because I think it's important for people to know that even even we are are, you know, reading about this stuff and like we incorporate it into our craft. But then when it really comes time to talk about it, even even we sound a little dumb sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all just doing our best. And, we're you know, this is where it's like it's good to just have a little bit of grace for each other because like, you know, just be nice. We're doing our best. And, you know. We're not doing any of this in a mean, malicious way, if we mispronounce and, uh, and, things. And let me know <laughs> if you would like an I don't speak Celtic t-shirt, because I'm definitely making those now. Right. It's like, I don't speak any, any of the Celtic languages. Like, nope, nope, nope. There's a lot of languages in there, too. Because I did have a Welsh professor when I was in college, and he, like, spoke Welsh for us. And I was just like, wow, what? <laughs> I just think about I just think about that episode of The Crown where Prince Charles is learning Welsh so he can do his speech in Welsh. Yeah. Oh God, I haven't seen it, but I do have to watch it because Welsh is such an a very different language as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of like, consonants. All of the Celtic languages are just. I mean, they're to me, I guess at least compared to English, it feels like they're so different. And maybe that is just like my English speaking ear. But when I hear them, I'm just like, man, it's hard to believe that these people were like across a river from each other. Right. <laughs> but, but so we're talking about Imbolc because it's February 1st. It's coming up. And it's interesting, actually, for having a set date rather yeah. than varying based on the dates of the solstice and the equinox. Uh, it, but it does sit pretty squarely between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, but it's always February 1st. And some witches, I was reading into this, uh, we'll, we'll do the, the moon, like the moon calendar, and do it between the solstice and, and like try to find like the right day on the moon calendar. But then also some, some people will just like try to figure out the exact midpoint. Oh, and that's, I, that's intense. It's very intense. But also back in the olden times... Um, when people were still celebrating the Celtic religion before Christianity came along. It's it's actually it's a little looser than that. Um, February 1st is something that the church kind of pushed on people because they I mean, with the exception of Easter, which is still based on the lunar calendar, by the way, um, they 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 didn't like that. They were like, mm, it's February 1st. And we're actually going to get into that a little bit later on. But um, it has a set date, which is just about in the middle. So I, I just think that's something that's interesting about this one is that it's always February 1st for most people. Um, and the English translation for in bulk is in the bag or in the belly, depending on who you ask or what you're reading, and is typically associated with the season that the sheep have their mating season and are pregnant with the calves. Um, is it calves for sheep? It's lambs. It's lambs for lambs. sheep. Little lambs. Yeah. So, but like the sheep, the world in general is ripe with the possibilities of the coming spring. 
And um, so they have a flower in Ireland called the Blackthorn. Um, and this is when it would start blooming. It's like an early harbinger of spring. Um, and this is a good time to engage in spring cleaning, uh, which also gives you just a really good excuse to put your power and your intentions behind what would ordinarily be a pretty mundane task. Uh, I mean, like who really likes slogging through their storage closets? And uh, for that matter, why do I have two mop buckets? Why don't I just empty out these milk crates and make one big Rubbermaid of homeless items? I mean, honestly, though, why wouldn't you have two mop buckets? What are you supposed to do if one of your mop buckets is occupied? By the mop? Yeah. What if you, I mean, who doesn't? All I'm saying is, like, be nice to your extra mop bucket. It feels a little bit aggressive to come for your second mop bucket in this segment. You know, but you know what's funny? I live with a roommate. It's not like the second mop bucket belonged to him <laughs> i just i just had to uh well you know what one of them can become a i don't know a different type of bucket there's so many kinds of and that's probably why i still have it but um it's a great time to plan the season ahead as well so you've done your spring cleaning we're planning the season ahead the lunar new year actually falls this year on february 12th so this would be a great time if you are so inclined to order a new lunar planner or start your own lunar planner, very easy to do um, and, and just clear the air for something fresh because freshness is the essence of spring. Um, wetness is the essence of beauty, whatever. <laughs> um, but, we, <laughs> but we really can't talk about what Imbolc is all about without talking about Brigid, uh, sometimes known as Brigid. Or even Bride. Uh, and this is another one yeah. where the Gaelic uh, is, you know, kind of kind of clusterfucked together. There, there's so many different pronunciations. I've also heard people just refer to her as Bridget, like the more common, like Western like American. Yeah, yeah, like with a soft D on the end instead of mm -hmm. a T. It is interesting. Yeah. But it, I mean, Bridget's a bad, badass bitch, man. But um, the one, the, this one, I actually looked through multiple videos and the actual Irish seeming people who were saying this word pronounce it brigged. Brigged. I like Bre that. Brigged. Uh, so she was the goddess of spring. Duh. Childbirth. No brainer. Fertility. Healing. Poetry. And blacksmithing. And um, yes, right, please. Uh, Okay, so the blacksmithing one does seem a little strange until you consider that fire is one of her top symbols. Um, the other name for Imbolc in Ireland is Candlemas. Um, yeah, because now that we're saying this, I am remembering. So I think that it's the Celts actually celebrated fire festivals. The mm -hmm. solstices and the equinoxes were from the Anglo-Saxon background because that's where we get like Beltane and Lunasa and Samhain. They're all technically fire festivals. So that would make sense that that would be a big thing at one of these like quarter holidays. Right. The quarter holidays. And um, but it represents the warmth of spring driving out the cold of winter. So you would represent this fire by lighting candles or having a hearth fire or a bonfire, weather permitting. Um, it's also worth noting here that there is a saint breed in the <laughs> Catholic sainthood. Of course who, there is. As luck would have it, has a feasting holiday on 
February 1st. Wow. <laughs> Very shocking. The Catholic wow. Church stealing a popular pagan holiday yet again. Very... Very strange. Uh, I am making shocked Pikachu face. I, right. But you know, um, there's, there's actually not so much historical evidence of an actual person that should be the same. Um, and there, there is some, but there, there's not a lot to back it up. Um, I mean, I just feel like if the Catholic Church just says like, no, totally, there's definitely evidence. It's going to be a little sus to me, especially yes. around this time in history. But we don't have to worry about that because we're witches and we got our own shit to do. So how can we celebrate this badass lady of the spring? Candles, literally, is one of the top things to do. And it's all about the line and the warmth, y'all. So soak it up. Um, uh, yes, that sounds uh, so good right now. It's cold right? in L.A. Yes, and it's never cold in LA. Light some candles, BB. It's in the 50s right now. Like during the day, it's going to be in the 40s at night. What the fuck? Right. Anyway, well, I need candles. <laughs> so, um, making a Briggs cross for your altar. And um, these are traditionally made of reeds. And since neither of us lives near the Nile River or the just insane amount of rivers in the United Kingdom and Ireland, um, you can use any of the dirtier creekside grasses and plants at your disposal um cattails come to mind as a good option um or even that um husky stuff that comes off of the palm trees Uh, Um, the palm palm fronds not the palm fronds is that what is that what they make oh oh my gosh shannon so you used to live on runberg um pretty close to where i used to live and actually Do you remember there used to be uh, sort of like an old couple that would sell the woven crosses, the woven palm crosses out of the dry palm? That stuff. Yeah, that is. I mean, those are usually palm fronds. That's the the big dried um, palm leaves that fall down and then you can like break off the actual independent, like the individual leaves. They come down all over the place and they like people definitely do a lot of stuff with them because the palms just don't like they don't naturally decompose. Like sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it takes like a very long time. So that's why a lot of people do things like that with them, because, you know, it's a great way to like, number one, like keep shit out of landfills, Mm -hmm. but also like dead palm fronds can be a can be a flying hazard in places like L.A. when the Santa Ana's kick in. And it's like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking flying palm fronds, because some of them are really huge. Right, right, right. So but yeah, if you live in Austin, um, you know, you might want to check out around Easter time um, coming up. They do they do make little crosses out of those. Um, You could substitute a pre-made one. I think that would be fine. But, you know, uh, it's it's woven out of um, like a like a sturdy grass. And if you can get some sturdy grass, like I was saying, you know, go to a creek. There's very sturdy grass near the creek and something like that. I think um, switchgrass would be fine. Um, it's a little it's a little raspy, though, switchgrass that the leaves are a yeah. little raspy. You I was don't about to say we- gloves, maybe gloves. Sure. But I would also recommend because the, the weaving pattern is a little complicated to look up a tutorial because I, there would be like 30 steps if I was going to sit here and explain it to you um, at least. Uh, just over audio so look up a video i mean i'm a very visual learner and but actually the way the weaving goes is actually kind of similar did you ever make one of those cat eye ornaments for christmas out of popsicle sticks and yarn yeah no totally i feel like everybody did that in elementary school at least once i think 
So if you could do that in elementary school, I have full confidence that if you looked up a YouTube tutorial on how to make a Briggs cross, you could do it. We believe in oh, you. Oh, yeah. We do believe in you. We Y'all believe got in this. You. So um, and this is meant as, a, as not only a good luck charm, but also a blessing for your home. Um, and also, I will say it is something that's meant to be changed out every year. You know, you don't want a dry, dusty one from like five years ago hanging around. Yeah, that's like some super stagnant old energy. That's that's old energy. You don't want you don't want old energy in your house, even if it's good, because yeah. it's not it's not serving you anymore, especially for your fire festivals, man. Yes. So um, you could also celebrate by planting seeds, which Shannon's going to be going over in a little more detail here pretty quick. But if planting right now isn't really an option for you, there's some good alternatives to consider. Making a seed cake. I know I saw a really delicious sounding recipe for like a seed and honey cake. Um, oh, made yum. A six inch baking tin. Um, you could use, you could use poppy seeds. Poppy seeds are good. Um, I wouldn't use, you know, like mustard seeds. That would be weird. <laughs> Um, sesame seeds are fine in a cake. Um, yeah, I was gonna say even like sunflower seeds can be good. Oh, 100% sunflower seeds would be good. You know, it's like you can decorate it however you like. You could be as intricate or as not intricate as you like. Um, not bird seed though. Yeah, no. I will say that. Don't put bird seed in there. We're, we're talking about, um, food. <laughs> we're talking about people seed. People, people seeds. <laughs> um, so you could do a seed cake, um, And if, you know, if not having a yard is your problem, I would say this would be a great time if you could find a wildflower blend. Um, You could go to your local park or even your, you know, just the side of the road. Scatter some wildflower seeds. Uh, And not only will Breed be pleased, but so will the ghost of Lady Bird Johnson, uh, former First Lady Lady Bird Johnson, because every Texan knows She loved wildflowers and in, you know, like a really fitting mention here was responsible for all of the blue bonnets and Indian paintbrushes getting planted on the side of the highways. So, yeah, she's the reason that you can drive across Texas in the spring and it's like it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. So just an idea. Uh, Are they the same person? I've never seen them in the same room. Have you, Shannon? I have not. I don't think that we have any solid proof that they are not the same person. So, <laughs> but uh, in a similar spirit to the cross woven with reeds, uh, a small doll of reeds can be made out of found materials and uh, can, can be put together quite easily. Um, you know, like a like a stick figure, like a literal stick figure. Yeah, it's um, so cute. And you invite them into your home you have to invite them uh into your home for your feasting and merriment around this time um and this will represent inviting the warmth and blessings of the season into your home and so the idea here would be even like going out for a nature walk um and gathering these things and while you're kind of gathering all your little bits for your doll, just thinking about like the blessings that the people in your household might receive in the coming season. Yeah, I love that. While you're putting it together and you, you know, you can tie you can lash it together with vines. Um, you can, la- you know, you can do something really simple. You could do something really complicated. Um, if you find some fabric, you can you can do a little outfit or a little shawl or a little scarf or some hair, you know, and just make make a little doll out of the stuff that you find. Um, and then you can even make 
a little bad because part of the traditional celebration of Imbolc is making a, a whole full-size bed for Brie in your wow. house. So you've you you've cleaned for spring and you've made a I mean, and making a bed back in the day was not like um like changing the sheets. Like they would literally get like a pile of like heathers and straw and all of that stuff and 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 make a bed. Yeah, um, damn. That's a lot, lot of work. <laughs> but you can but you know, I, I was just thinking like a lot of us live in, in apartments, a lot of us live in cities. Um we don't have a a, a whole more of heather outside of our door to to make a bed but you know what would be fun um if you have kids and and you know they're kind of wondering what you're doing you got a little doll they're probably yeah. interested make a little you know that'd be something fun for you to do with them is make a little bed and yeah yeah raise the, the next generation of little pagans make you know raise the next you know you don't want to indoctrinate your children um <laughs> But, you know, I mean, they're going to be curious about what you're doing. And that's something fun that they could do. And, uh, you know, point of fact, they might even have a, a little a little toy sized bed for your for your little Brieg doll um, oh, that's so to, cute. Ha to have a little rest in. Um, but that that so we're going to kind of change gears here before we move on. Uh, ben, who does the sound on my end for our lovely podcast, said pumpkin seeds would be a great option to throw into your seed cake for Imbolc. So oh, I just yeah. wanted to throw that in. Some um, pepitas. That is, yes, that is such a good idea. And you can get them, you know, pre-done pre um, in a lot of different flavors. And that'd be, you know, great to put on top too because they're they're all so uniform and nice. But we, I, we've been wanting to talk about Artemis. Yes. So the full moon is coming up. We wanted to talk about Artemis. Artemis has huge associations with the moon and is also one of my personal favorites because we were talking about how when I when I think about Artemis, I think about Artemis Bavandi, the actress. But <laughs> yes. when I when I think about Artemis, the goddess, and I read about her character, I also think about Huntress Wizard from Adventure Time. Oh yeah, no, I love that. Um, is it that? Is it who? Is it Jenny Slate that voices her? There, there's actually. I was looking it up. There's been three voice actresses, um, one of whom was Maria Bamford. Yeah, I know she did it for a while. I feel like because Eric and I just finished rewatching Adventure Time, so it must have just been that Jenny Slate was the later one. That must yes, just be yes, why yes. she's but on my there, mind. Maria Bamford is like one or two episodes, and then they switch to a different. But there's an original actress, but I, I was reading this recently. A huge fan of Adventure Time, by the way. But um, so Artemis. Artemis is the Greek goddess of hunting, wild nature, and chastity. Those are the big connotations that we have with her, um, just from what we've read in modern times. But also, ironically, with the chastity connotations, she was also worshipped by her biggest cult following. Um, as a fertility goddess and yeah. a protectress during childbirth. So most people who actually worshipped Artemis back in ancient Greece were on the fertility and childbirth side of things. Um, but an, originally, the, the OG Artemis myth, uh, she's the twin sister of Apollo, who is associated with the bow, music, youth, the arts. Uh, so very, very classy, civilized kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a reason that the Apollo Theater exactly. is the Apollo Theater. Yes. 
So uh, he was also said to be as bright and powerful as the sun. But this is in his episode. And honestly, I bet that was a bit obnoxious being like the twin of someone who was said to be as bright and powerful as the sun. Um, right i can only imagine and i think it's also funny because like part of the reason she got her childbirth thing is because i think in one of the myths she helped birth her twin brother yes so it's like yes it's like Uh i brought you into this world Uh stop being such a twat (laughs) so um her dad was zeus who in this really like one instance was a very generous father And the story goes that when Artemis was three, so think about the three-year-olds you know, uh, (laughs) old Zeusy boy, uh, Saint Zeus. I mean, if we say it too loud, the Catholics will make a Saint Zeus. They might. um, (laughs) Set her down on his knee and asked what gifts she would like. And uh, she had some modest demands, to say the least. Uh, Every mountain. So maybe... Maybe as a three-year-old, that was easier than being specific. Maybe she didn't know the names of any of the mountains. We're probably never going to know, but every mountain, every single one. I mean, there also might have been like some level of entitlement with the child of Zeus, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every mountain, every single one. Um, 60 ocean nymphs. I don't know many three-year-olds that can count to 60, but 60 ocean nymphs as her maids of honor. It's a lot of uh, nymphs. Or her ladies-in-waiting. Um, if you're <laughs> a fan of Downton Abbey, uh, maybe that rings a little more um, relatable to you. Uh, <laughs> 20 river nymphs to take care of her hounds when she wasn't hunting, and also her boots. Um, I mean, that's very relatable, though. Yes, because you need someone to take care of your boots and your dogs. Yeah. Uh, in any city. And, and she said, dealer's choice because she was probably going to be so busy chilling on any mountain she goddamn wanted to. (laughs) And, uh, oh, she wished to be a virgin forever, which apparently was a very cool thing to ask for back then. And everyone was like, that's so wise. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, considering all the rape that happened in all this ancient lore, I mean, good honor. (laughs) I feel like that's a, that's a, Probably something I would be interested in, too, if, like, my father was one of the worst rapists in, like, all of written right. history. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the, the idea, though, was that since Apollo was Mr. Fancy Man with the culture and his musical theater and his oracles, Artemis was wild and lived in the mountains and was basically Huntress Wizard. And legend has it that she straight up murdered Orion for trying to rape either her or one of her followers, depending on the story. Um, she also, while we're talking about cool stories about Artemis, uh, turned one of her own followers into a bear for sleeping with Zeus. Um, so that bear is famous to this day as a constellation because Zeus decided to commemorate their affair by turning this follower turned bear into a constellation because i guess that's better than being a bear um yeah i mean sure (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, so that's ursa major and she had a son who is ursa minor and that son before he got turned into a constellation 
uh, was the original Arcadians. So when you read about ancient history and you read about the Arcadians, those are his guys. But he's a constellation now. I love this story, too, because I'm I think if I recall correctly, didn't Artemis like collab with Hera on this one? I believe so. <laughs> but the but the I but the idea was that Zeus was the one that was like, oh, you turned my lover into a bear. I'm going to turn her into a constellation because I guess that's that's an upgrade. And then also the sun, which I think was Zeus's son. Yeah, it was Zeus's son. I just love that, like that Artemis was so here for like the scorned woman and it's yes. like, of course, she had to, like, have a moment with Hera. If you're going to think about, like, the OG scorned woman. The, uh, the original scorned woman. Uh, Zeus, <laughs> uh, is, Zeus's wife? Mm? Yeah. Uh, poor, okay. poor woman. <laughs> but one of the most famous stories that I think a lot of people will know about Artemis is the hunter Acteon, um, who's said to have seen her bathing naked in a spring. With all of her river nymphs, of course. Um, and she turned him into a stag, which wouldn't be so bad, but he had about 50 hunting dogs with him. Uh, so the story goes. And he was chased through the forest and ripped limb from limb by his own hunting dogs. Well, I mean, we all hate a peeping Tom. We we do we do um not sure if it was on purpose or not although uh, an alternate version of this story says that he said that he could hunt better than her oh fighting which seems, words which seems a little more you know on the because i just kind of imagine her being a bit of a tomboy you know she's the goddess of hunting and like lives in the mountains and only hangs out with like nymphs you know so Read into that what you will. I'm not saying anything, but bit of a tomboy, a virgin. I mean, she also only hangs could, out with ladies. She could also be an ace icon now that I'm thinking about it. She could. I, I mean, I was kind of suggesting she might have been a lesbian because if she's a, I mean, they didn't really count stuff like that for virginity because virginity is penetration. But she hangs out yeah. with nymphs like river nymphs all the time. I mean, fair. And I know like her followers had sex because she is like a fertility goddess. Like mm -hmm. they would have sex in her honor. But I don't know, man. I'm wondering if uh, I mean, she could be a lesbian or she could be like the first. But, cha asexual. but, chasti but chastity is the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that comes up over and over again, how she's chased. And that's that's kind of what made me think of of Huntress Wizard, because I know you just yeah. watched Adventure Time, how Huntress Wizard has no interest in dating Fen because she's no. so focused on her wizardry. Yeah, she's got other shit to do that doesn't involve men. She's got other men. shit to do that's literally more important than men. And it's not... Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but aside from being a bit of a baddie, she also has this very strong association with the moon. And as we're approaching not only Imbolc, but the Lunar New Year and another new moon, this would be a great time to honor her in your altar with some art depicting deer, um, arrows, mountains. You know, we have a lot of great art in tarot decks that that could show this or even just something you draw yourself. I, I mean, um, I live in Texas and you can actually find discarded 
deer antlers in the woods. Oh, yeah. The deer sheds. It's yes, the deer, the deer sheds. sheds. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the deer are fine, by the way. Yeah, it's from when they're they, like they're hitting them on the trees and shit mm-hmm. while they're while they're you know they they ha- they have to go they grow, somewhere when they're growing they grow out. Back. They grow yeah. back. Yeah. So, um, if you could you know if you could do something like that, that's uh that's a pretty good way to do it. But I mean, if not, you know, there's a lot of good tarot art with with deer and mountains and stuff. Um, or you know, just regular art. I mean, go to a thrift store. My grandma used to paint Bob Ross style mountain scenes all the time, and maybe you have something like that in your collection already. That might um might look nice closer to your altar, <laughs> yeah. um, especially if you feel that connection with Artemis or if that's someone that you personally devote to, uh, as I do. So I love that. I love that. I would also say like this would be a great time for a nature walk. Yes. Um, so we were talking about like making the Brieg doll for Imbolc, um, you know, while you're on that little journey um artemis's association with the wild is so strong they would not even build her temples in the center of the city and they deliberately chose sites on the outskirts of town where the urban scenery started to give way to something wilder and more chaotic because it's not she's not a farming goddess yeah she's not a goddess of culture she's goddess of the wild so Going on a little nature walk, getting away from the city. Maybe you can combine the two. Um, but there's also just this very strong association between Artemis and uh, change or transformation. And that's so powerful for us as witches because change and transformation is really what we we deal in. And that's our power. So uh, transitioning to spring right now being the big change that we're going through. Uh, I just felt like Artemis, this seemed like the right time. To talk about Artemis, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm I do. I really do. And I'm I feel like I want to apologize for being such an airhead today. I feel like I'm very rabbit traily, but to be fair, the moon is in Gemini, and I feel like it's been hitting me hard the past couple of days. There's so much air energy I know in the solar system right now. What is it like five planets are in Aquarius last I checked? Yeah, God, it's so airy. So it's like, I feel like I'm all over the place right now. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so really, though, I was so excited when Nick reminded me that Imbolc was coming up because um, time means nothing anymore. I think everyone is everyone is so lost in January. I'm so lost. Like we literally and this is just, you know, kind of a behind the scenes thing had like bookmarked in topics. And then we're like, oh, shit, it's February 1st when this yeah. episode is coming out. <laughs> so uh, almost happy in And it really right. is like as shitty as I have been at keeping track of like where we are actually at in the year this year. In is in general one of my like it's probably my second favorite Sabbath because it's like it's a huge feminine power time of the year and of course for the past week or so i've been getting even more into like working with the moon as part of my practice and it's always been something that i'm very interested in but i always find that this is the time of year when i get really sucked back into it so i've been journaling every day and something that i think is great to do if you do enjoy working with the moon is to keep a daily journal because then you'll start noticing trends on how the moon affects you in different phases and in different signs which is 
one of the ways I figured out that when the moon is in Gemini, I am a little scattered and I have a little bit of a hard time prioritizing. But all of that to say, this really is a great time of the year to plant seeds in some parts of the world. And if you can't plant seeds, if it's like too early for you to even do seed planting inside, you can also start planning your garden because, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from having a game plan when you're thinking about what you want to plant and when you want to plant it. For example, if you're somebody who wants to grow edibles, you might want to consider the time from seed to harvest and think about when to sow your next crop so you can have something to harvest throughout the growing season. So if you know that something's going to come up really fast, maybe right after you plant that, you get your first little sprouts, you go ahead and plant something that you know will take a longer time to come up. So by the time you're, you know, harvesting that first crop, you've got another one coming up behind it. You know, if you're someone that plants decorative, you can think about flowers that are going to bloom fast and plant those first and then, you know, stagger out when your later blooming plants are. So there's there's a lot of things you can consider. And, you know, no matter what your style is or if you're a container gardener, if you get to garden at the ground or even if you're, you know, an exclusively jungle garden or an urban garden person, there are some really awesome ways to work your magical practice into your plant life. So, you know, no matter what, I think the topic of gardening and planting along with lunar cycles is something that we could all tap into, at least in some ways. And, and I, I was actually reading your, your notes here about like why the different moon phases would be important not only for planting, but for harvesting. Yeah. And there was, I like, some of this stuff literally blew my mind. I love it. And the thing is, like, this is so not a new topic. I actually, I use the Farmer's Almanac as one of my main resources for this. And, you know, it's not exclusively pagan or witchy. I do think it's great because you can incorporate the two. But this is something that's been happening for hundreds of years. People have been gardening like this because for the longest, you know, People use the moon to think about the months and the cycles, you know, even more so than the sun in a lot of instances. And so if you want to think about the most basic way to understand working with the moon and plants, you can think about the moon's effects on the tides. So, you know, when you're gardening by the moon, the cycles of the moon are going to affect plant growth because the moon's gravitational pull actually causes, you know, tides to rise and fall it also impacts the moisture in the soil. So a lot of people- Little mini tides, you can't even see them. Yeah, yeah, like little baby mini tides. And so a lot of people say that the seeds that are, you know, sown during the full moon and the new moon, when, you know, we're getting those stronger pulls, they're going to have better germination and they'll be better established plants because there's more moisture getting pulled into the seed, causing it to swell. Um, And another thing about it that you can consider is, you know, something else is the amount of light that's given off at night during the different phases of the moon. And we all know that different lengths of light impact plant growth. So, you know, if you're thinking about something like annual flowers or, you know, sort of above ground fruits and vegetables, you want to plant those during the waxing moon because, you know, from the day the moon is new to the day that it's full, the moonlight actually is steadily getting more and more overnight. So there's a lot more of that light and that actually the additional hours of light encourage the growth of things like leaves and stems. And if you want to look at, you know, flowering bulbs, uh, biennial or perennial flowers, something that needs a much more robust root system, I mean, and even root vegetables like carrots and potatoes, 
It's good to think about planting them during the waning moon because from the day right after the full moon until the day before the new moon again, the moonlight is just decreasing night by night. So plants are able to really focus their energies on growing roots like tubers and bulbs because there's not as much light to work with. So why would they focus on things like stems and leaves? That's not what they have to work with. So you know, there's some there's some good advice based on the main moon phases. And I want to go through like the big four with you guys, um, just to give you sort of an idea of how to think about it. So we've got the new moon. At the new moon, the tidal force is pulling water up and into the seeds. And there's increasing moonlight, which helps balance the growth of the roots and the plants. So you've got your waxing moon. So remember, it's like wax on, wane off. So the waxing moon is when you're at the new moon and you're growing to the full moon. The extra moisture in the ground makes this time a really great time to plant above ground fruit bearing plants. So things like strawberries, the cucamelons that I just planted, annual flowers, you know, things of that nature. And uh, I just want to jump in here on the waxing moon. And and just say like the way that it was explained to me when I was first learning the phases of the moon. <laughs> I, and this is really dumb and really weird and funny. But um, if you were to take the little crescent moon and dip it in candle wax over and over and over again, it would get bigger and bigger and oh. bigger. Oh my and then God, it would that's... eventually be a blob and that would be the full moon. That's so cute. That's a lot less weird than wax on Wayne off. So, right. you know, no judgment there. Um, so the full moon though is the next thing, right? So this is the second time where the tidal force is really high, but the decreasing moonlight puts a lot of focus on roots. So again, it's, you're going to think about like bulbs, perennial flowers, and it's also a really good time to transplant. So for a lot of people that aren't in, you know, very warm Mediterranean climates, tons of people start their seeds indoors and you don't move them outside until after the danger of the Uh, last frost. So if you want to take your little babies and move them outdoors, yeah, doing it at the full moon is a great time to transplant them because then they're going to have all of that extra moisture in the soil, pulling it up into their roots to really help them get established. And then as the waning moon comes in, this is a really great time to think about things like pruning, fertilizing, you know, cleaning your old pots, things that aren't necessarily related to planting, because we all need a rest phase in the cycle. And, you know, I think that the waning moon is a good opportunity to sort of, you know, you don't want to necessarily plant something when you're halfway between the waning moon and the new moon. That's there's not going to be really much light at night. The gravitational pull is actually a little weaker at that point. So waning moon, take a rest. Like it is important to like listen to those cycles. Right. Just just chill out for a bit. Yeah. And, you know, this is really, I think, a great opportunity to now to think about how you can incorporate your practice into the gardening, right? Because you get bonus points because as witches, you can also work with the magical associations of the lunar phase in addition to, you know, like setting your plant babies up for success. So, you know, at the new moon, we talked about it being a great time to plant seeds, This is also a cool time to, you know, maybe take a small piece of paper or some bay leaves and write, write intentions on it. You know, things that you really want to cultivate and grow throughout the season. And when you're burying your seeds, you can bury this little piece of paper or this leaf alongside it. And as you grow and cultivate the plant, you can use that as sort of a long-term spell 
to focus on your intentions. And as your plant grows, you know, you get to watch your magic growing and really be aware of it throughout a season. And I love this idea. Did um, did I tell you, Shannon, I finally came across a, a bay tree? Oh, did in, you? In IRL bay tree. Wow. So I didn't know that. That's amazing. Um, so my friend Callie um has a bay tree. It's like they do get bigger, but has a small one right by her front door. Oh, that's and so cute. I had always thought it was um one of those like like landscaping bushes. Yeah. Um, just because I mean they they're pretty nondescript leaves, the bay leaves. Yeah. They just they, look like leaves. I mean, they kind of look honest. like little ficuses almost. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I was noticing um that it had lasted uh quite a bit past the um the fall. Yeah. Like the leaf drop in the fall. Yeah. And she was like, actually, break one off and smell it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a fucking bay tree, isn't it? I'd ne- I mean, I've seen them in pictures, but I had never come across one. I had no idea you could even grow them in Texas, if I'm being uh, Yeah, I didn't honest. know you could grow them there either. That's amazing. I mean, it's a stunted little baby, but it is those leaves are pungent. I got a little bag of them. For yeah. Soup. <laughs> oh my god that's amazing and other things but and also magic. <laughs> like and magic but also i was like oh my gosh i could use these for all my soups <laughs> i love that uh well uh, speaking of soups so the full moon right this is a time where we were talking about like focus on roots and you can think about that as you know, focus also on yourself, your desire, your basic instincts and needs. And because of the high tidal force, it's also a really good time to harvest because the plants are at their most plump. So if you're thinking about things like, you know, in particular, like peppers and tomatoes, you want to harvest them when the tides are high because there's more more moisture in them. Um, But I think even for herbs, you can harvest them at that point because they're going to be, you know, healthier, hardier. And I think this is a great time, you know, at the full moon to harvest some herbs and use them in kitchen witchery. So, you know, we had the example of peppers and you can turn peppers into something like a soup or a salad to increase passion, you know, with, you know, either like the sexy kind of passion or, you know, the boss bitch passion. But you could also harvest something like rosemary and bake it into a loaf of bread to symbolize protection for you and your loved ones. And of course, we talked earlier, bread is a super traditional choice for in bulk. So when this comes out the day before on the 28th, so yesterday, for those of you listening on Friday, was a full moon. And so for the next couple of days, you know, you still have a lot of that tidal pull. I think it's a great time to harvest some herbs, let them dry out. And then when you have your in bulk stuff that you work on on February 1st, you can use these things that you harvested under the full moon that have this like really great big energy. And if you're going to be making this loaf, you know, maybe add some pepitas to it, add some seeds to it. And it's a really great way to sort of integrate all of your magical practices, because I think that's something that's important to think about. You know, there's so much magic you can do that's not sitting at your altar and doing a spell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we love we love kitchen witches. We love green witches. I mean, between the two of us, I think like that's that's probably like our team, really. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. No. Totally. And you know, I think that there's there's just a lot to be said because I think in particular in particular with the whole like rise of the witch aesthetic. There's I think it's easy for people to sometimes feel bad about their practice when they're on Instagram. But it's like, no, you don't need to be doing elaborate candle spells every week to like be a witch. 
That's no. not what it's about. You can also do things like bake a loaf of bread during Imbolg and use it to like celebrate the changing of the seasons. And that's still witchcraft. Um, uh, all that to say, but clearly, also I, I would I would say a, a, a lovely fresh loaf of like rosemary sourdough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is just is just such a nice thing. Oh, yeah. That's like, my, mag- I mean, that's my magic or not. Yeah, magic that's... or not. Like the smell coming off of that in the oven. Oh, I love it. No, I'm I mean, and I I make sourdough all the time. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. I do make sourdough. I have a starter named Gertrude, um, but I am planning on making some, you know, some sourdough with rosemary for Impulg. And I'm also going to do the thing that I typically do with my bread, where instead of just doing the regular slash across the top, I'll do a slash in a rune, you know, one of them that represents protection or like health for the family. And so it is a way to, you know, also imbibe, like also imbue some of my magical protection into the people that I'm sharing my food with. Um, Anyway, all of that to say, clearly, like, I love working with the moon. And one of the things that I want to do in the next year is also begin building a moon garden. So I wanted to suggest some plants that I think could be a really good fit for a witchy moon garden. And this is also like kind of a personal wish list. So I'm putting it out there into the universe. Um, So for a moon garden, what you want to do is focus on plants that like bloom at night or, you know, and or have a white or silvery finish. And the great thing about it is it also has the added benefit of being really great for nighttime pollinators and they don't get enough love. Like you can find so many butterfly and bee like seed packets for wild seeds, but there's not a lot of attention paid to, you know, nighttime pollinators who are very important also to the ecosystem. Uh, Mexican free tail bats are not pollinators because they eat insects. Well, I'm no, just kidding, y'all. But, <laughs> but they, they, they eat are, pollinators. They, <laughs> they eat, eat nighttime pollinators. pollinators. I mean, moths. Moths are a great example. And a lot of different types of bats, just not the bats that we you know, have in Austin. But um, a couple of examples. So Snow in Summer, it's a type of jasmine. And it has this beautiful silver foliage. And of course, you know, it gets those jasmine flowers and they bloom at night and they smell great. And the magical associations are things like dreams and money, love, meditation, like things that are great to do in the garden at night. Uh, The white bleeding heart. And those are good for, you know, love spells, strengthening your heart chakra, balancing emotions, Um, white daffodil, which I think are also super cute. And those are great for things like fertility and love. Um, We also have mock orange, which is really great for, you know, like feminine power, or if you're feeling stuck in old emotional patterns, you know, things that are related to like anger or fear, lack of self-esteem, you know, or even maybe you're just being like inflexible, you know, mock orange is a great, a great plant to work with. And also it smells like sweet orange, um, which a plus plus, you know, scent memory is something that's so powerful. And that's why I actually have a honeysuckle on my front porch, because to me, I really wanted something that had a strong scent to be outside the front of my house. Um, And then of course, you know, I couldn't not mention hydrangeas, which are great for things like protection, hex breaking and love drawing. I, you know, I love hydrangeas so much. And I, I also was so excited to see them on this list, but I didn't know about them as like a, like a moon garden. They're, the thing that makes them a moon garden is not necessarily because they're night blooming, because hydrangeas don't bloom, right? They have bracts, right, right, they have modified bracts, leaves. They're bracts, which we just but, learned in the poinsettia episode. Yeah. And I was... 
but you can get some really beautiful white varieties. And so if you're building oh. a garden that, and you know, when you're building your moon garden, you, you go for the white and silver, right? So you can walk outside and they'll catch the moonlight and they'll be really beautiful. And you can see them even without lights on outside. And actually this woman who lives in our, like in Park La Brea with us, not with us, but near us, she plants these beautiful hydrangeas um, a couple of times a year. And it's amazing walking by them at night because even the ones that are that, you know, that lilac, and that light blue, I think those would also be great because they're so visible at night and they're so beautiful. Um, I, th- and again, I think that's really lovely. Yeah. And they're Do you they're remember those do you remember plants. those like snowy white ones that I had when you were here in December? I do. They were so pretty. I love hydrangeas. I really do. That one, the strong one. Because remember, the they were kind survivor. of wilting. The survivor. Um, that one lasted for like a full week and a half after you guys had visited. Wow. I mean, they're really, they're amazing flowers. And they're also another one of those plants where, you know, kind of like the spider plant I talked about, just growing one in and of itself can be a bit of, you know, protection piece because they are great for like hex, like hex breaking and protection. And so planting a hydrangea bush, it can be sort of like a little guardian plant for your place. And then they're also beautiful. I actually, this is going to be so dumb, but I saw this thing in an anime one time. And so you can judge me if you will. But it was about how since hydrangeas do so well in the rain, mm-hmm. um, they like are absorbing the sadness of the tears. It was very oh, poetic. Um, I love that. I but mean, I, I just does... th- I thought it was really beautiful. Like I was like, wow, this is like an anime that's supposed to be like fun um, and for the kids. But here I am crying about like a, a hydrangea <laughs> reference. Uh, oh my god! I, I cry during everything though, so don't worry. Well, y'all. no, I mean that's fair. I get it. I cry. It's like if there's a good Folgers commercial, it will make me tear up. <laughs> um, anyway, so. In addition to the Farmer's Almanac for this section, I also used um, The Moon Book by Sarah Faith Godestiner, which is phenomenal. I can't recommend it enough. And then, of course, The Old Standby, The Green Witch by Paige Vanderbeck. But while we're talking about the moon, I'm super excited about my QWP. (laughs) So QWP, Questionable Witchy Practice of the Week. I found a lot of like videos and like strangely like handwritten on weird letterhead spells and even stores on etsy that are selling and i quote (laughs) real werewolf transformation spells hold on i'm gonna drink i'm gonna i'm gonna have a sip of beer before we get into this i'm (laughs) gonna take a sip of my canned wine to that because oh man we'll get into it um real werewolf transformation spells yeah like actually permanently shape-shifting into a werewolf So I watched this one video of a girl who got, I mean, she had to have been in high school. So like, poor thing, the internet is forever, bad decision. But she was talking about the spell she had done. And she was like, oh, I know it's working because now once a month, you know, it's like I go through these phases where I get these cramps and these headaches. And it's like, sweetie, that's PMS. Um, You're not a werewolf. You're a woman. But it's surprise, uh, (laughs) right? Surprise. But it's, she also like pointed to her canine. She was like, and my teeth are sharper. And I'm like, oh, like the sharp teeth that every human has evolved to have. It, anyway, so it's like, it's not a thing. Clearly, no one is like, th- there's not like fucking polyjuice potion. That's not what magic is. Like, so right, I, right, right. I, I get really like annoyed about some of this stuff because it makes us all look nuts. And you're, and you're like, and you're like, hey, 
please don't be like the um the branch davidians of uh, paganism like we we don't need you making us look crazy thanks oh my god or even the seventh day adventists because they totally came from a doomsday cult originally yeah yeah yeah. and they changed the date of the apocalypse like two times before the founder died because and then the founder died and i forget the woman's name but she took it up and wrote like hundreds of books and that's Uh like where they came from anyway speaking of being an airhead during this gemini moon um i i do feel like too as witches there's another reason that this is a really weird move and i didn't know a lot about this but you know we always hear about the witch trials but there were also werewolf trials and in some places there were like witch werewolf trials so a couple of hundred years before the salem witch trials even started back in the 1500s there was a huge wave of lycanthropy accusations across Europe, and it it led to a bunch of people dying. Um, so later on in this whole like werewolf, you know, hysteria, there is this really well-known case, apparently, I say well-known in like the historical sense, not in the I knew about it sense. Um, but there was this young Estonian boy, he was a teenager named Hans. I and, know you love Estonian history. Uh, you know, Estonian history is truly a passion of mine um but along with there were 18 trials that accused 18 men and 13 women of being werewolves over the years and the case of hans in estonia was probably the most famous because he was only 18 years old when he was arrested uh so this was the year 1651 he was arrested on charges of lycanthropy and he quickly confessed because uh probably fucking scared because you know uh, abuse of power is not a new thing and so he admitted to having hunted as a werewolf for also, two years. I mean, uh, the the Spanish Inquisition was a thing. I mean, I, I don't think at this point it had happened yet. But uh, I mean, you no, know, if you, may- if you scare people, they'll say anything if they think yeah, it'll exactly. make whatever's happening. I mean, stop. You know, I think I think the some of those methods were probably already in place before they uh, just rolled them yeah. out over a, a whole population. So this young Hans admitted to having hunted as a werewolf for two years, and he told the court of a man in black who bit him shortly before the physical changes occurred. And I couldn't read that without thinking about like werewolf Johnny Cash, but he oh wasn't God, in I Estonia. I was literally going to be like. Johnny Cash, <laughs> the man in black. <laughs> oh shit! Um, I didn't know he was a werewolf. <laughs> so a lot of you know people allege that this man in black was supposed to have been the devil, and then this mention of satanic forces qualified the werewolf to be tried as a witch and thus sentenced to death. So that's sort of where the intersection happened because werewolves a lot of times were accused of being driven by satanic forces, and also witchcraft was accused of you know like fucking around with satan so that's the weird tie between them and this this part just made me fucking laugh because the judge asked him whether he felt more like a man or an animal and he said because remember he was a fucking 18 year old dude that he felt like a wild beast and it's like every 18 year old everywhere am i right for fucking sure so like those raging hormones are no joke yeah for sure and there was there was no physical evidence of any murders committed by hans but even then he was still sentenced to death because there was you know there was the grounds that satanic magic had been performed upon him he was was unclean he was unclean there was like no evidence and so you know, we know mostly this happened because like Christians in Europe were super opposed to peasants practicing paganism. So there were a lot of scapegoats for uh, for widespread fear about things like the occult and Satanism that really was like perpetuated by Christians to, you know, scare the 
plebes away from paganism. But, you know, so stories of werewolves and their process of transformation has obviously been with us for thousands of years, though. And I read this really great article on the Llewellyn website um, that postulates that historical and mythic roots actually seem to directly connect the horned god with like shamanic practices. And so thousands of years ago, we're thinking about our horned god. And in Northern Greece, wolves were often associated with the cult of Pan, right? (sighs) So, (laughs) I know, gasp. And so later on, a Roman festival sort of carried on like these ideals of the cult of Pan with the festival of wolves, which is Lupercalia. And so during this festival, Naked men in goatskins ran around the town whipping and likely mating with willing women who needed help with fertility. Um, And this Roman festival was also used as a way to honor the she-wolf who nursed uh, Romulus and Remus. But this is the part I really, this seems like a sidetrack, but we had to get into it because guess when Lupercalia falls, Nick? You know, I'm not sure. February 15th. So Mm. uh, even though Valentine's Day is named after, uh, you know, one of the St. Valentine's Catholic saints, a lot of historians actually think that it's another one of those ways that Catholics sort of like canceled a pagan holiday because, you know, things like sex and matchmaking, the colors red and white, those were all things that were heavily associated with Lupercalia. Uh, Yeah. And then the Pope, you know, declared Valentine's Day a holiday. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around um, the Catholic Church stealing a pagan holiday and repurposing I know. it. I know. Just like this, verbatim um, for And they didn't even try that purposes. Because it's like so fucking St. Valentine. And everybody's like, you know, he's the martyr of love. But it's like it makes so much more sense for this to have come from a holiday about fucking. Right? Well, like I mean, Valentine's like Day is like. It's like you've been cooped up in the house all winter. Everyone is horny. Yeah. Everyone is it's horny. Valentine's Day. And so it makes sense. You think about the cult of Pan and stuff. And of course, like, it's interesting to look at the way the pictures of the devil evolved because, man, they look an awful lot like Pan, don't they? Um, anyway, <laughs> if you're interested, though, in like getting on your wolfy vibe and you don't want to get ripped off by some jerk on Etsy that's going to like allegedly turn you into an actual wolf. There are a lot of like cool ways to, you know, work with wolves and your witchcraft practices. So, you know, it's like a good symbol of power and personal freedom. Um, And they also don't attack without provocation, which I thought was really interesting. So if you're wanting to do a spell to help, you know, help you stand your ground, like maybe you have like an asshole boss, you know, like calling in wolf energy is a great thing to do. Um, You can also ask, you know, for a wolf spirit to work as your guide. You can keep wolf totems in your altar. And, you know, some people even can call on, there's like the four wolves you can call on to cast a circle. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But all of that is just to say, there are some really cool bits of like history that ties werewolves to witchcraft in really intense ways that I didn't know about. And there are also really legit ways to work with wolf energy in your magical practice. Um, But you just shouldn't expect to be shape-shifting anytime soon <laughs> so and, uh, if if that is the mood that you're going for i i also have to say there's like a pretty big community out there that's like um like a subset of the furry community that's really into like werewolf play so yeah i mean if that's if that's the vibe that yeah. might be something that you're honestly into yeah and i think that's much healthier than like all of the weird stories that i also came across when i started doing research on this about people like claiming to be werewolves after like biting off the ear of a lover that happens more than i'm i didn't want to know that it happened so frequently um 
Anyway, <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh is shaking. Right, it's shaking in his grave in his right now. Grave. Yeah. Um. So that that brings us close to the end. So today I'm I'm doing the taroscope, and I actually ended up with a message for Virgo. Um. Ooh. Which I know I got it, and I was just like, God damn it! I uh, God, of course. Um. And I drew the Four of Swords which does feel like a very good card for Virgos. So the Four of Swords is really about encouraging you to, you know, take a period of rest before you move on to your next challenge. And in my deck, it's depicted as like a sleeping lion. There's like a serpent on his head. And of course, there's a sword in the foreground. And the drawing on my tarot deck actually references uh, a marble sculpture by Rinaldo Rinaldi. Um, from like the 1800s and it's a really beautiful sculpture and so I, I love the artwork on my card I'll have to post it um, but you know I think a lot of us Virgos and you know really everybody but especially it's, like it's not it's not the lion that they have like the lion of Lucerne in Switzerland is it uh no so this is the one that was it, you're gonna love this Nick it was commissioned by the uh, 16th Duke of Devonshire for Chatsworth House oh okay so it's so it's in like a like an English uh, country estate yeah yeah got um, it got it yeah yeah, no, because so, I was just thinking, do you do you know that one? It's like um it's like the 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 crying lion they have it carved. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yes, it is not the same one. It's but not also that. okay. Good lion art. Um I was just so, trying to I was just trying to think of like the most famous lion statue I could think of. <laughs> there are there are some good ones. Um anyway, so I, I know that a lot of Earth babies, and in particular, I think Virgos, like we hold on to a bunch of stress and tension. There's there's a reason that Virgos are said to have really bad digestive issues, uh, because we're all fucking stressed. And this is really a message to sort of take a step back and try and gain some perspective. You know, if you've really been through a tough challenge recently, hey, 2020, you just happened. Um, but even if it's something like really specific to you, like a familial trauma or a breakup or like financial difficulties, this card is here to remind you that you need to take time to recharge before forging ahead. And there's so much that you can gain in this period of rest and reflection. You know, this sort of, you've got to embody a bit of the waning moon phase here, right? You need to take stock of the lessons that you learned and if you're like me, resting can be really uncomfortable. So even if you want to just sort of like debrief, you know, debrief with yourself, like, what am I taking from this? What lessons am I moving forward with? What am I leaving behind? But it's not a time to move forward. You know, it's the time to like sit, rest, maybe contemplate, but just take a beat. This, you know, the problems are going to be there tomorrow, but you know, you can't pour from an empty glass. There's a reason that that's, you know, kind of a cliche. So to all of my dear fellow Virgos, take a beat. That is the message. I, you know, I'm honestly taking that to heart as a Virgo rising because I feel yeah. like I definitely needed to hear that as well. Yeah. Um, no, I think that for wherever Virgo sits in your chart, so many people that I love have big Virgo energy. And I think it's it is like such a wonderful, terrible thing, just like so many aspects. But I think being so empathetic and so caring, but also wanting to do things right is exhausting. It, and, I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, d don't get me started on uh, the perfection aspect of it yeah ouch it hurts so it was funny because i drew this card today after i drew um oh god i drew like the ace of cups in my morning draw and then of course it was like ace of cups like you're so content and then i was like yeah i'm feeling good and then i like got the message for virgos and it was like but four of swords and i was like shit you're right right you're right oh it's man. like look at how happy you are but sit your ass down what you Virgo don't... wants to hear that like that right? mercury energy has got to be like uh, it bristled 
it, it bristled. Br- yeah, I'm like, I can just see like like the hair standing up on the back of a cat, you know? Like Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. So anyway, um, so that brings us to the end. You know, if you wanna the bitter end. Here we are. If you want to get in touch, you can reach us at wandsandfronspod at gmail.com or at wandsandfronspod on Instagram, where we didn't mention this up top, but you can see a picture of probably the most amazing thing that has ever been given to me. One of our listeners and honestly friends, Shannon, uh, another Shannon, made a necklace for me and sent it to me to honor my late cat, Ivan. And the silver sheen obsidian in it genuinely looks just like his fur. And on the back, there's a little like paw print and she even like inscribed Ivan on it. And I tell you, I fucking ugly cried for a while when I got it. Um, But you can see a picture of the necklace and also talk to us on Instagram. So please hit us up. But also, you know, it's like, I want to give a shout out to Shannon as well for being like a Wands and Fronds super fan. I mean, like she wrote in for the Q&A episode. Like she's been with us since the beginning and we love you. We, we both do love, love you. you. Yeah, Shannon's great. I'll, I really do feel so fortunate to like have met the listeners that we have met and we do want to meet more of you. So please like reach out. We're here. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. And I'm going to go. I was thinking about this today. I'm going to go a step further because many of you might not know this, but download the episode if you're listening to it it's awesome and we're super appreciative but one of the weird metrics that gets used a lot when you're trying to you know get on charts and stuff is the number of downloads so you know i get it it's annoying to take up space on your phone but if you're willing to just hit that download button it really does do so much and these are the silly things you have to think about with a podcast i would love for us not to have to think about this but it is the reality so uh hit that download button and you know, and you know what? That's way easier than sending us a bag of rubies. Um, but if yeah. you can't or won't, and you love it and you want to keep it going, rubies. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if downloading is outside of your wheelhouse, we're here for bags of precious jewels. So yeah, precious jewels of any kind. Yeah, emeralds, you know, sapphires, sapphires, diamonds. I mean, moonstones i'll take a bag of moonstones though because i swear to god if you send me a bag of blood diamonds if you send us a bag of blood diamonds first of all what what did we do to hurt you i will make a sizable donation from the profits to a charity uh that goes against blood diamonds um yeah blood diamonds are gross let's not i'm not gonna Um, send them back because i mean you know it's a bag of diamonds but well yeah it's like some asshole sent a bag of blood diamonds they don't get them back but no Uh, so so the bitches, though, the witches, the bitches, what do we say to the to all of the witch bitches out there? We say blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Doctorate, indoctrinate, indoctorate.